Alrighty, so here we are, week six, the final week of our study through the book of Philippians. Uh, and if you're here for the first time or you've missed a part of this series, uh, here's a quick snapshot of what this series has been about. Uh, we've been looking at the, this book, this letter that Paul wrote to the church in, in Philippi. And the main theme of this book of Philippians is not um, theological or it's not uh, corrective as we might see in Galatians, Ephesians or, or indeed Romans. It's, there's this genuine theme of, of joy that comes through the book of Philippians. And so we've entitled this series, uh, A Joyful Community. Uh, and the reason I think Paul uh, has such as an emphasis on joy in the book of Philippians is because it's the first church he planted. And we, if you go back to week one, listen to that message, we see how the church was planted way back in Acts chapter 16 when Paul had a vision from, uh, this has a dream in the middle of the night of a guy from Macedonia calling out to him to come and help him. So the next day he jumps on a boat with his mate Silas and, and sails over to Macedonia in Greece. The first city he comes across is the city of Philippi. He meets a lady called Lydia. He meets a slave girl who was demon-possessed. And then he meets a jailer that, through different circumstances, leads them all to faith in Christ. And they become the, the, the church planters of the church in Philippi. So then years later, Paul is arrested for preaching the gospel, finds himself in jail, and he writes a bunch of letters. Um, one of them is this letter here to the church in Philippi, of which he has such deep affection and love for so it makes sense that this book is really marked by joy so we've called this series a joyful community and so week one we looked at how a joyful community unites around the power of the gospel week two was a joyful community is a prayerful community week three a joyful community advances through adversity uh, week four a joyful community becomes more like jesus and then last week was a joyful community forsakes the flesh. And today, week six, our final week in this series, is the title is A Joyful Community Thinks About What They Think About. So, so chapter four is what we're up to here. And chapter four basically is Paul's final instructions and exhortation to the church in Philippi. Um, the main concept here is about how important it is to think about what we think about. And Paul gives us a couple of really good things to consider in this regard. So in verse uh, four to, chapter 4, verse 4 to 9, it says this. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or some translations there say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, the thing is, our, our mindset matters. How we think, how we process thoughts actually matters. So the question is, needs to be asked, do we think about what we think about? Proverbs 23, 7 says, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So are, are we thinking about what we think about? Because 
our actions follow our thoughts, not the other way around. We, we do something because we first thought of that thing, therefore we go and do that thing. So it's really important for us to consider what is our, our mentality, what is our mindset. And, and in this, this chapter, Paul teaches us uh, about two aspects of our mindset. The first is our day-to-day small picture mindset. Just the day-to-day thinking stuff, right? And he also then teaches us a little bit later in this chapter about a big picture mindset. So the day-to-day small, small picture mindset and also the big picture mindset. So first, let's just dive into this uh, small picture mindset and see what, what he's saying here. And we get that in these verses before we just read from verse 4 to 9, where, where he says, the first thing to consider with a small picture mindset, the day-to-day stuff, is rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. That, that our relationship with God should be manifested in a joyful way. That joy really, joy is, uh, is fruit of the Spirit. Joy is evidence of God's work at power in our life. So be happy, be joyful, rejoice in the Lord. The second thing is um, be reasonable and gentle to people. Be reasonable and be gentle. Not quick to judge, not quick to lash out, not quick to... But the way we think about people, the way we, the way we process things in our mindset... We have to think about, okay, am I, am I being reasonable here? Am I being gentle here? Am I jumping on the bandwagon and, and, and not being fair to people? Or am I being, as God would have me be, gentle and reasonable? The third thing is don't be anxious for anything. So thinking about why am I anxious? The Bible tells me not to be anxious about anything. So, so allowing a day-to-day thing is to think about, well, if I'm feeling anxious, why am I feeling anxious? The Bible tells me not to, so do I have to, I have to renew my mind to what the Bible teaches me? Uh, the fourth thing is be prayerful and let your ne- needs be known to God. Okay, so be in constant communication with God. We looked at that in week two, that a joyful community is a prayerful community. And one of the ways to bolster our prayer life is to imitate Paul, which... The two marking things of his prayer life are constancy or consistency and joy, that he prays with joy. So be prayerful and let our needs be known to God. Another thing in our day-to-day small picture mindset is to think about things that are true, that are honorable, that are lovely, that are commendable, that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. And this is why it's so important to consider what you're looking at. Like what, what social media accounts do you follow? What news outlets are you listening to? What blogs are you reading? What websites are you going to? What movies are you watching? What information are you allowing into your brain through your eyes and through your ears? Because those things are shaping your mindset. And I guarantee you, as you scroll through your social media accounts, as you watch those news channels, as you read those blogs, as you expose yourself to the, the, the information of this world, I guarantee you that it's not flooding your mind with things that are true, that are honorable, that are lovely, that are commendable, that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. It's probably, more than likely, filling your mind with things that are fearful, causing you anxiety, making you worry, making you doubt, making you question your identity, making you feel less than, making you want more things of this world, and and, and feeding this sense of dissatisfaction, which ultimately leads to disconnection from God himself. 
which is why it's important to think about what we think about. And then the sixth thing we see in those passages is to follow Paul as he follows Christ. Now, one thing I do, I'm just going to bring you really quickly into my personal devotional life for a moment, and I hope this helps you. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really big into spiritual formation and spiritual disciplines and things like that. I, I don't want to just go through the motions and be another byproduct of consumer Christianity or just, you know, churchianity culture. Um, I actually want to be a full-fledged disciple of Jesus following him. And so one of the, one of the ways I do that is, is by trying to, um, as best as possible, form around me spiritual habits that lead to my spiritual and personal formation. And, and we looked at this this year and I handed out the, um, that thing that we developed, the rule of life, which helps us to develop things. In, you know, What are we going to do about things like fasting? What are we going to do about things like living simply and, and, and having a Sabbath day and, and embracing rest? And, and what do we do with things like prayer and worship and, and studying of Scripture and, and living simple lives? Uh, if anybody wants one of those rule of life documents, I've still got them on file. I can give you that at any stage. But I find those super helpful for us to put things in place that actually help us actually become more like Jesus, not just theoretically, and helps us put measurable things in place. And so, so one of the things I do is um, I'm big on, on silence and solitude, and I know that can be scary for some people. And, and honestly, it's, that's probably, probably one of the hardest uh, spiritual disciplines to do because we live in such a time where it's probably the noisiest time in history. And as soon as we aim for silence and solitude, our brain tends to go into overdrive and go crazy. And, um, and so if, if the vision and heartbeat of our church is to be with Jesus and be like Jesus, it starts with being with Jesus, being with him. What, what does that look like? So, so I use a, an app called Pause, uh, P-A-U-S-E. And the app is just a little white icon with two black lines that look like a pause button on your remote control. And um, in that are a bunch of guided meditations um, that go from one minute, uh, there's three minute ones, five minute ones, or 10 minute ones. And depending on where you're at, what you're doing, how much time you have available to you, um, you can choose any of those guided meditations. And so I, I like to do it daily, multiple times a day, um, as, as much as possible, because it just centers me and it brings me into a conscious awareness of the presence of God. And, and when I'm in a conscious awareness of the presence of God, um, one of the, the greatest things we've talked about before that we can get from the presence of God is perspective. We start to see things more clearly. We start to get the mind of Christ. And as we renew our minds to the mind of Christ, we start to be transformed. And so I would encourage you, get this, get this app. Use these guided meditations. Allow the prayers that, that the voice in these meditation prays, uh, allow that to be your prayer. And watch what God does. I did this with my family the other day. It's just my, my three kids. We sat down. I explained this to them about what it meant to be with Jesus. And, and so we just did the one-minute one because obviously, you know, kids, uh, that's all the attention span they can have at times. And so after that one minute, I said, how did you feel? And here's the answer we, I got. I feel peace and I feel calm. And I'm like, wow, they are the very attributes of the Spirit of God 
and when he's at work in the life of human beings. So what, right now you're feeling peace and you're feeling calm because your spirit has collided with the spirit of God and, and you've had a moment with Jesus. How beautiful is that? And so in these, these meditations, in these moments of pausing, what it does is it helps me um, redirect my mind and my heart to think about things that are true that are honorable, that are lovely, that are commendable, that are excellent, that are worthy of praise. Why? Because I get a greater perspective on life because I am with Jesus. I'm in the presence of God. And when you're in the presence of God, things like our, our trials in life, our hardship in life, and things like our triumphs and our successes actually get put in their rightful place as, as the perspective God gives us grows inside our mind. And so... Um, so that, that's just one thing that, that I do that really helps me to do what Paul is encouraging us here in regard to our small picture mindset is to get our minds on a daily basis centered around things that are ultimately true, honorable, lovely, excellent, commendable and worthy of praise. Okay, so that's, that's the day-to-day -day small picture mindset that, that Paul is helping us here with so that um, a joyful community actually thinks about what it thinks about. Now, the second thing I want to shift into is looking at, okay, well, what is the big picture mindset that we can extract here from what Paul is teaching in chapter 4 of Philippians? Well, let's jump down to verse 12 and 13, where he says this. He says, I, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's probably one of the biggest coffee cup scriptures in, in all the New Testament, at least in Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. It becomes a motivational mantra for so many Christians. It's on T-shirts. It's, uh, it's on Bible covers. It's, it's on pictures of, of eagles soaring on a wall with a motivational speech. I, mean, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, people can use that as a heavenly permission slip to aim for the stars and achieve whatever their hearts desire, Right? But is this actually what Paul is saying here? Is Paul actually saying you could be a Hollywood movie star through Christ who gives you strength? You, you could be a rich businessman who's just dominating cryptocurrency because of Christ who gives you strength. Or you could, you could be the next Prime Minister of Australia through Christ who gives you strength. Look, maybe... But in context to this passage, not really. Maybe this is one of those passages where it doesn't mean what you think it means. Um, the key to understanding this verse and what it actually means for us is to read the preceding one, which says this, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. What Paul is saying here is, hey guys, here is my big picture mindset. It doesn't matter if you have nothing or it doesn't matter if you have everything. No matter if you are dirt poor or if you're filthy rich, if you're hungry or have a fridge full of the finest foods, no matter what you are facing in this life, the issue isn't really the issue. What matters is that Christ will strengthen you in these moments. He will comfort and bless you in your season of lack. He will humble you and lead you to generosity in your season of plenty. Circumstances are almost entirely irrelevant in a, when you have a big picture mindset of the kingdom of God. 
because Christ at work in you is the only thing of real relevance. That it doesn't matter if you are abounding. It doesn't matter if you have nothing. It doesn't matter if you are starving or if you are fully fed. What matters is no matter where you are, what you're facing is that Christ is in you and working through you and will give you the strength to cope with and manage and get through that season. Good, bad or ugly. So in conclusion... Paul's teaching us here in various ways in chapter 4 about his small and his big picture mindsets, about his day-to-day thinking and about how he approaches life on a big macro scale because a joyful community thinks about what he thinks about. It is really important for us to think about what we think about. So for small picture, day-to-day stuff, he encourages us to think about whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy of praise, hey, think about these things. Get these things in your mind. Get these things on a daily basis. Let that be your mindset. And in the big picture things, Paul's saying, I know what it's like to be brought low. I know how to be abounding. In any and in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and of hunger, of abundance and need. And what I've realized is verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For me, this is made all the more powerful and profound by knowing that Paul wrote these letters not from a, you know, a, a waterfront bungalow in Hawaii somewhere where he's sitting back in a hammock with a pina colada in hand and sipping it and he's writing his memoirs and thinking, hey, Philippian church, as I look over this crystal blue water and bleach white sand with this wonderful 28 degree sun just beaming on my skin as I get crispy and brown. I want to encourage you to think about whatever is just, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy of praise. Yes, of course, I'll have another. Thank you. Top me up. Thank you. Delightful. He's not in paradise reminding the church from hindsight of, hey, life is awesome, it's great. He's in a dingy first century prison cell in Rome where he's barely getting a meal a day unless someone brings it to him and he's reminding the church with joy, hey guys, make sure you think about all the good stuff. And, and ultimately, guys, it doesn't matter if you have stacks or you have none. What matters is Christ will give you the strength to get through any and every season. That's what really matters. And so what we learn from this is what he teaches the church in Rome in chapter 12, verse 2, is that we are transformed by renewing our minds. What does that mean? It means it's super important to think about what we think about. Because what we think about ultimately is outworked in how we live our life. The decisions we make, the places we go, the people we associate with, the things we do. And ultimately, our behaviours, our lifestyle, the things we do, have consequences, good, bad, or ugly. And those consequences, the fruit, if you like, whether it's beautiful life-giving fruit or, or rotten, poisonous fruit, depending on the decisions we make, all of that can be stemmed right back to the root, which starts in our minds. Because it's important for a joyful community to think about what it thinks about. Let's pray. 
God, I thank you for today. I thank you for well, these past six weeks as we've studied through this book of Philippians. I thank you it's taught us so much and helped us so much, God. I thank you that today's message on thinking about what we think about would really, um, that we really think about it, God, and, and we'd realise that you know, the lifestyle we live, the decisions we make, the people we associate with, the, the fruit and the, the consequences that we live with on a day-to-day basis really start with the way we think about things, the way we think about life. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that um, ultimately we would see that knowing you, Jesus, would be of surpassing worth. And that we, as we read in, in, in chapter 2, verse 5, that we would have the same mind of Christ. And as we, as we do these things, as we see you in your rightful place, as, as we journey to have the same mind of Christ, that that would start to flow out and we would start to be transformed. As we are with you, Lord, we would become more like you and we would see incredible things happen as a result of this, Lord God. Lord, help us to really take stock of what are we allowing into our eyes? What are we allowing into our ears? What information are we allowing to form in our minds that shape our worldview? Lord, I pray that we would be totally transformed by renewing our mind to that of the mind of Christ. And that, Lord God, would be when true transformation takes place. And Lord, I pray as we close this series, Lord, that we would be the type of church that would unite around the power of the gospel. Lord, that we would be the kind of church that would be a prayerful community. We would be a people that would advance through adversity. We would be the kind of people that would become more like you, Jesus. We would be the kind of church that would forsake the flesh. And Lord, that we would be the community that thinks about what they think about. Lord, would you bless every person. Lord, would you bless every family, every household, every mind. In Jesus' name, amen.